Hello, this is Marissa Schaefer, and I'm here with Dance Well Podcast and Dr. Carrie Sconey, who's joining me on the phone from the Chicago area. Hi. Hey, Marissa. Hey, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Dr. Carrie Sconey is a chiropractic physician with a postgraduate certification as a chiropractic sports physician with a special focus in dance medicine. She's been in practice since 2005, treating dancers, athletes, and active adults. She works with dancers and dance studios primarily at the pre-professional level throughout the Chicago suburban area. She grew up dancing with studio training, but was sidelined by injuries as a teenager. A chiropractor was able to help her when no one else could, and ultimately it was the lack of dance-specific care that was available to her at the time that inspired her to pursue a health career as a chiropractor with the goal of working with dancers. Dr. Carey has a strong passion for keeping dancers healthy and injury-free so that they can dance longer and stronger. She's passionate about educating and empowering others. At her practice in Naperville, Illinois, she provides injury assessments and technique evaluation for dancers, personalized and dance-specific physical rehabilitation, pre-point evaluation, nutrition for dancers, and ongoing education on injury prevention and wellness counseling as it relates to dance. She also offers numerous workshops and on-site injury screenings to dance studios in her area. So today, Dr. Carey will talk to us about the chiropractic profession, some common conditions she treats, and also the importance of treating the next generation of dancers, um, which is uh, particularly important to me as well. So I'm glad that we get to talk to her about that. Um, so to dive right in, Dr. Carey. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. so um, yeah, let's. So, you know, unfortunately, I think that quite a few people kind of still think about chiropractors as practitioners who quote unquote, whack and crack or like predominantly perform joint manipulations. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you practice and maybe help us dispel this myth about wacky and cracking? Because I really don't think it's true. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Um, yeah, so so I have, um, you know, I, I obviously have a sports medicine and rehab practice, which means that that part of my practice really closely resembles like how a physical therapist would practice, mm -hmm. you know, how you practice. Mm -hmm. So I spend anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes with a patient and that's one-on-one -on -one time. And most of that time we're spent moving and um, working on exercises and progressing their home exercise plan. Um, so treatment in my office looks different for every patient, but really the end goal is always the same, and that's to function more optimally um, or to restore optimal function. So for some people, that looks like, you know, joint manipulation. Mm -hmm. They've restricted joints. Their joints don't move as well as they're supposed to for a variety of reasons. Um, and so that's part of the treatment. Um, but that also includes, you know, working to improve muscle tone and stretching and strengthening and um improving movement patterns and proper motor control, you know, mm -hmm. all these other things like controlling inflammation. And um, so, so joint manipula manipulation is just like one tool right. that we use. Um, so, so yeah, you know, like, um, like one patient may come on, come in and um, like a middle-aged patient may come in and may know, have no idea how to, to bend over and pick something up off the floor mm -hmm. well. And so they have consequences of that. And for that patient, joint manipulation, manipulation is is hugely beneficial to them and, mm -hmm. and necessary um to restore proper motion in the joints um so yeah so a patient may come in like that that needs to for needs to learn how to squat you know mm -hmm. they they're not moving well and they need to learn how to squat and for them that's restoring optimal function but then i may have a dancer that comes in who's 
really elite and technically well-trained and strong by any other standard um, and may have, you know, a labral tear in the hip and get some pinching when they bought ma. Um, and so they tend to have like more hypermobile situation where their joints move too much. Right. And so restoring optimal function for them looks more like strengthening and stabilizing and providing some feedback in the joint about how to use their range of motion better and some really specific exercises to decrease the demand to their joints rather than increase motion in them. So um, anyway, joint manipulation is really specific and individualized and um, no one walks into my office and gets whacked and cracked everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, it's just not evidence-based, as you know, it's not necessary, but I, you know, it does still exist out there and there's definitely still a stigma about it. Um, about chiropractic. So, um, and probably it's been one of the hardest things about choosing this career path is having to dispel that myth Absolutely. and, um, you know, work against that stigma. But, um, you know, I think one of the reasons people still practice like that is because there are patients who aren't willing to do the other work. And, you know, if a patient sits at a desk 10, 11 hours a day and, they're, they don't have optimal function and they mm-hmm. don't move well, they get immediate relief with the joint manipulation. Right. Um, it's short term, but it gives them relief so they can function better. But then day in and day out, they're doing the same things over and over again, right. the same stress of their body. And um, they don't address any of these other issues. And so they end up reliant on joint manipulation. And, um, you know, we know that's just not the best care. So I don't know if a patient comes to me and I'm adjusting them every time I see them and, um, they're coming back over and over again, then I'm not doing my job. You know, my job is to make sure they don't need me anymore. So, um, yeah, I get, you know, I guess my advice would be that if someone's looking for a chiropractor, um, look for one who uses joint manipulation as just one of their treatment methods and not their only treatment method. Absolutely. Two things I wanted to bring up. One is, you know, um, physical therapist also, uh, practiced what we yeah. call high velocity, low amplitude thrust manipulations of, um, mm-hmm. different body parts. So, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just a chiropractic thing and it's, it's safe when applied correctly. But I think the other thing that I really wanted to point out that you brought up that I think is so important is that, um, you mentioned that if you, um, if, the patient isn't doing their job as well to get better, then they they perhaps won't get better. So my point being that um, any kind of therapeutic relationship is is requires work on both ends, right? Yes. So that um, you are helping them with figure out the solutions to their issues that they present you with, but they also have to do work in order to get themselves back to functioning level yes. or beyond, um, which I think yes. is really important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I use the analogy with patients that like we're in a boat and we both have an oar mm-hmm. and if I'm the only one using the oar, we're not going anywhere. No, we're going in <laughs> <You> circles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So we have to work together and, um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I, I mentioned a second ago, physical therapists, um, can also use the joint manipulations. And you said that, um, yourself, that chiropractics, it, pra- isn't, so much different from physical therapy as well. We share a lot in common. Um, So what do you think that chiropractors can offer dancers that uh, other professions can't? Um, Yeah. Let's see here. I probably have a couple different answers to this, but you know, the good thing is that there's a lot of crossover in professions right now. You know, historically PTs and chiros, you know, maybe try to keep things separate of what they were doing, but really we're doing a lot of the same things. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of crossover. And even with, you know, osteopaths and 
Um, you know, we have orthopedic offices that are really integrative and have acupuncturists and nutritionists and that's awesome. So fortunately there's a lot of crossover these days and everyone sees the benefit of working together, which is cool. But, um, I guess first, like, um, maybe the main thing that sets us apart is that we have a really holistic approach Mm -hmm. to health. You know, our education is really holistic in nature. So this whole like whole body or functional medicine approach, um, is one that's really about getting to the root cause of something and, and understanding that our body isn't just a sum of parts, that it's really a complex and interrelated system. Um, so whereas the dancer may initially come to me for a specific injury, it, you know, we spend time touching on that, um, treating that injury, preventing it from recurring, but we also address a, a number of other topics and that's part of my comprehensive evaluation with them. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about diet and nutrition and how nutrition can fuel us to perform better or how diets can be really inflammatory and predispose us to injury. Um, We have a really strong background with chiropractic in in nutrition and in like nutrient supplementation, Mm -hmm. so minerals and botanicals. Uh, So we definitely touch on that with patients. You know, are they are they getting the essential vitamins and minerals they need for optimal function and to support them through their different phases of growth and development? You know, and we get really specific about it with them. Like, you know, I'm not just saying like, oh, you should take a calcium supplement. You know, it's really specific and really right. personalized right. for patients. And I think that's really meaningful. And I find that they're not, you know, they're not getting that a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that people offer that, but I find that the average patient just doesn't know to, where to go for that. So if they're coming from, to me for a specific injury, I can use that time to address kind of whole body issues. Um, you know, we talk about strength and conditioning principles, which I, didn't, I know is near and dear to your heart. And, yep. you know, getting these kids to learn how to exercise. And um, a lot of them don't know exercise out of sight of dance and Pilates. And um, we want them to know how do you build muscle? How do you, you know, stay cardiovascularly fit? Um, it not only helps them now to improve their dance performance and prevent injury, but then it sets the stage for how to stay healthy, you know, when they're, if and when they're done with dance, mm-hmm. um, it kind of sets the stage for that. And um, the other thing is that, you know, we see these myriad of other complaints, especially in young dancers or, or young people in general, you know, that we have food allergies and yep. food sensitivities yep. and, um, you know, autoimmune disorders are practically an epidemic at this point, mm-hmm. gastrointestinal symptoms and anxiety. You know, I think like 10 out of 10 of my last new patient dancers checked off that they have anxiety, like on their new patient form. It's just like, what, you know, who's talking to them about this? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, your anxiety is not coming, may not just be coming from the stress of school. Like it may be a leaky gut issue, you know, it may be a food sensitivity. There could be a lot of other things. So I think this holistic approach is, is unique or maybe more common in chiropractic than Mm -hmm. some other professions. Um, maybe the other thing too, is that, um, consistently chiropractic offers a really conservative approach. And I guess that's, that's not really different from physical therapists, but um, because we don't have the ability to prescribe medications and perform surgery, um, our approach is always conservative in nature. So we're always looking for what's the safest, most effective, least invasive treatment that we yeah. can do that gets us the results that we want. And we always choose that approach first. And typically we get really good success. So you know that. Yes, and, and there's a high demand for that. You know, we see, like, the opioid crisis right. and, you know, the healthcare in general changing their tune about pain management. And patients don't want to jump to surgery and drugs. So chiropractors can offer really safe um, and effective alternatives yeah. to that. 
Yes. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, those main things. I, so more specifically, you know, just thinking, like, we're kind of caught somewhere in between, like, we're not orthopedists, like, mm-hmm. we're not physical therapists. And we kind of all, you know, there's a big gray area between right. what we all do. And, um, you know, maybe what's different, I don't know how it is in New York. Um, I think it's different by state, like, direct, direct access yep. for PTs. Do you guys have direct access We do. Physical therapy varies by state. So in New York presently, um, you can see a physical therapist who's been practicing for three plus years um, for either 10 sessions or 30 days, whichever comes first. Got it. Okay. That's similar to how it is in Illinois, although I think that's changing in Illinois. But um, anyway, chiropractors have direct access. So, you know, a patient can come to me without a referral. They don't have to see their primary care physician first. We don't typically have a limitation. And how often we can see them or, mm-hmm. you know, insurance rules about how, right. you know, how many visits they get. But um, we do the evaluation. We do the orthopedic exam. We write the treatment plan. We carry out the treatment. Um, I can order x-rays and MRIs that's, and blood work yeah, and interpret awesome. them. Yeah, that's really so, awesome. Um, I, you know, I think PTs may get there someday, right? Like, yeah, we're, I think there's, we're inching towards it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so awesome. I mean, the more we can provide our patients, you know, and so they have to jump through less hoops, I think the better mm-hmm. that is. Um, so that maybe sets us apart just a little bit from PTs and, um, I, you know, what maybe sets us apart from orthopedics. I use this analogy with patients as, you know, when I'm evaluating them, we're going to look at structure and we're going to look at function. Mm-hmm. And I think orthopedists are, you know, brilliant at looking at structure. Um, and the structure is really like, what, you know, what is right. the diagnosis? What happened? Is there a tear? Is there a sprain? Is it a tendonitis? Is there a fracture? You know, that is, um, that's really important to get the diagnosis. But, um, I see patients who come from orthopedists and they have, you know, kind of a vague understanding of what the structural problem is, but their treatment options revolve around how to fix the structure. You know, do you need surgery? Do you need a boot? Do you need injections? You know, what do you need to fix the structure? Um, And then, you know, they come to my office and they think, okay, the structure is really important and we're going to address that. But what's really important is the function. Right. Why did this happen? Yes. How do you move? How do you plie? What does your air buff look like? How do you jump? What is your body doing after four hours of rehearsal? You know, how are you sitting between rehearsals? Um, How do you stretch? You know, all those kinds of things. Right. Lifestyle habits. Et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of separates us a little bit from what patients are getting at an orthopedist. Absolutely. And I kind of think, too, um, that for movement's sake, for function's sake, um, chiropractors, maybe even more so than my own profession as a physical therapist, um, uh, are like really awesome primary care practitioners. And I say more so than physical therapists because we're missing that imaging piece, which I think um, in some cases is really important. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of, I think we're, especially like direct access is something that is more prevalent um, in the United States. We're a really good kind of first stop uh, to see what, what's your movement like? What are your habits like? Okay, maybe now you need to go to an orthopedist or yes. fine if it goes the other way around, but um, yes. I think it's a good role yeah. of filling. Definitely. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand like chiropractors for the most part, you know, we're not trying to hoard patients. You know, yeah. I frequently refer to PT. I frequently, you know, if it's something's outside my scope, mm-hmm. you know, they're off to the other doctors. So that integrative approach is just really important and, Super. you know, that we're team players just like anyone else's. Yes. Yeah. Um, so let's on, move on a little bit. Uh, can yeah. you talk to us about some of the more common conditions that you treat? 
Yeah. In dancers, you mean? Yeah. yeah in dancers specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously. Yep. Um, well, I see a lot of like pre-professional kids. Mm-hmm. I see young um, kids and adolescents. So um, what I see is maybe a little different than what someone would see in, in an adult population of dancers. But um, it's probably best to differentiate by age. So I see different things depending on what age the yeah. dancer is. Yeah. Uh, so like our youngest students, if I see someone like between the ages of maybe let's say 8 and 10, mm-hmm. they're often referred to me because – um, maybe their teacher notices something like, oh, they have an uneven shoulder height or um, they're weak in this area. They're not progressing and they're not really sure how to fix it. They've tried things. It's not working. And they think, well, maybe you need an evaluation. So mm-hmm. I see that age for that. And some common injuries at that age are um, like uh, Seavers disease in the heel, mm-hmm. which is an apophysitis of the calcaneus, um, accessory navicular syndrome, which is where... Um, then there's a just extra navicular bone on the inside part of the foot that doesn't fuse. Uh, flat feet is really common. And so these kids are going through some increased demands, but they don't have structurally don't have some support or mm-hmm. functionally don't have the strength to support their feet. Can I uh, pause for one second? Totally. Just yep. because for anyone um, who is a, a dancer or a dance teacher who's listening on, can you talk a, just a smidge more about an apophysitis because uh, it pops up in other areas throughout adolescence? So yeah, yeah. Essentially, so um, as you go through the the growth stages, there's parts of our bones that are not fused together yet, and they, um, depending on what area of the body you're talking about, those bones fuse together um, at different ages. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can happen at the navicular bone, which is the inside part of the foot, or the calcaneus at the heel. And so there's just part of the bone that hasn't completely fused together yet. And if there's a lot of stress to that area, it will inhibit or prevent um, that part of the bone from fusing completely. Or it can just get really irritated because it's not completely fused. And that um, junction where those bones are not fused together can get really irritated and create a lot of pain. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so so that's what I see in that age. Um, sometimes this is when parents, like once they realize what I do, they bring kids in preventatively. Like, mm-hmm. okay, tell us what we need to work on. Like, what are we lo- what are we looking at here? Like, how can we keep this dancer healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then we move into early puberty, and this is where I see the large majority of dancers come in, and this is usually between the ages of like 11 and 13. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably the most common injury I see at that age is patellofemoral pain um, or patellar tracking dysfunction, sometimes what we know as runner's knee, although I call it dancer's knee Uh because it's so common. (laughs) Um, But, you know, at this age, uh, the the intensity of dance is really increasing. Like, okay, you're older, you can do more, you have more hours in class, you've joined competition teams. Uh, the expectations are higher, uh, but at the same time, the body's starting to change. Yeah. And so there's change in this length tension relationship and muscles. Um, a lot of times there's not enough strength to meet the increased demands or because their body's taller and leaner, they haven't developed the strength to control that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, dancers often complain of a change of flexibility at this age. Like I used to be able to do this and now I can't. Right. It's like, well, you know, your body is changing. You know, you're not, you know, a very limber eight year old anymore. Like we're going to have to be really specific and intentional and figure out like, what can your body do and how can we do it safely? Um, so yeah, so these growing tissues are more susceptible essentially to injury at this stage because they're growing and physiologically, that's just what happens. So, um, I, I often find that this is the part where teachers don't understand this. And I feel like this, if I could teach 
teachers one thing. It's this, you know, Mm -hmm. the demands of like this adolescent, adolescent growth stage, you know, that there's just, the body's changing. And just because they look older and they look bigger and they're just, their bodies just can't tolerate. Right. And I think on top of that too, there's like a lot of psychological, like I wouldn't, I don't think trauma is the right word, but there's a lot going on, right? Because when you hit puberty, suddenly you're like interested (sighs) in other people and you're like, oh my goodness, my, my hips are filling out a little bit. Like that's stressful. And then the increased demand at dance. And then it's like around a time too in school where things get a little bit more complicated. Like there's just a a lot. Totally. And you know, the, it, by nature, the comparison aspect, yep. you know, in dance and you're in front of a mirror all the time. And, and at this age, there's so much variability. You know, totally. some kids are done growing at 11, you right. know, they fit full puberty and some kids don't even start until they're 15. Right. So, um, you know, there's this huge variability. And if we're trying to get everyone in the dance class to do exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. like it's just risky business. No and um, we need a little bit more like consciousness of that, I think, in our classes. But mm-hmm. anyway, so so a lot of injuries at this age as a result of the growth stage. And, um, usually they're, um, you know, in that area, like of flexibility or, um, you know, biomechanics and strength and all of that. Something then scoliosis too, like this is where we start to see scoliosis Mm -hmm. pop up Mm -hmm. because of the growth stage. Um, and so we definitely are looking for that because we know that's much more prevalent in dancers Mm -hmm. than it is in the general population. So watch closely for those changes. Um, ankle instability, hip flexor tendonitis, hip impingement, all of these things kind of start around this age because right. of the increased demands. Um, okay. So then finally, like my later stage dancers, like the advanced dancer mm-hmm. dancers, post puberty kind of advanced stage. And this is where we see overuse injuries. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the demands are even greater. The tissues are fully mature, but maybe they've been going undergoing these increased demands for years. And now suddenly the tissues start to have some structural changes to them, not just functional, but structural changes. And we see, um, posterior ankle impingement and flexor hallucis longus tendonitis and snapping hip or hip flexor tendonitis, labral tears in the hip are just wickedly common. Um, Stress stress fractures in the spine. You know, this is where we start to see that pop up because we've had years. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a stress fracture? I did. Oh, shoot. It was was tough. Stop. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How old are you? Um, uh, No, that's absolutely fine. I um, I was in my late teens. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Oh man. It's, I know. And it's such, I mean, it so affects these kids, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be career ending, mm-hmm. um, not to mention the sheer amount of time it takes to recover. Right. But, um, yeah. So, so this age, then we really start to look at their biomechanics, you know, kids, are more mature, they have a more vested interest in their dance future, um, they're more aware in general, they're more responsible, they're doing their home exercise programs, mm-hmm. and um, they know if they want to have a career in this, you know, they really start to invest in it. So um, that's what we do with awesome. the older kids. Awesome. Um, yeah. You mentioned, um, you mentioned dance teachers when we were talking about adolescent dancers. Um, and yeah. you mentioned on your website that um, you communicate with dance instructors regarding their students' condition, which I think is, like, so important. Um, yeah. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how you do this and why you started doing this and what kind of difference you think it's made for your patients. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do. I love talking to instructors. Mm-hmm. Uh 
for the most for the most part, I should say no. No, I do love talking to instructors. No, I I knew from the beginning that that was going to be an essential part, really, mm-hmm. of ensuring health of the dancers. Clearly, instructors are really invested in their students, yes. and they want them to be healthy and injury free. So, fostering an environment where we can work together is, is really fantastic. Absolutely. Um, and connecting with them really helps with this team approach, you know, let's work together. So everyone, you know, has the same goals. We want the dancer dancing and, um, not sitting out on the sidelines. And, uh, so we all have the same goals. So it's just better to have a team approach to that. But, um, I guess one of the biggest advantages of having a relationship with the studios is obviously like the decreased injury prevalence yeah. and the decreased injury time, really. So where previously, like if an instructor or studio doesn't know that someone's out there to help them, you know, they may tell a student to dance through pain or maybe if they're just not educated about, you know, what is a good pain and what's a bad pain, you know, how do I know the difference? Right. Um, so an instructor may tell a student, oh, just dance through it or sit out if you have pain. And that can go on for weeks in either case. But, you know, once we have an established relationship, then they're saying, okay, go see Dr. Carey. Like as soon as something pops up, go see Dr. Carey. Nice. And, um, you know, the instructor may call me and say, here's what's going on. Here's what I see. Here's what the dancer's complaining of. Figure it out. And right. we do, you know, and then we can come up with an action plan. And um, the whole process helps to really avoid this prolonged time between onset of symptoms and mm-hmm. seeking treatment or recovery. So they're back on their feet faster. Um, treatment plans are shorter. They catch an injury earlier. And so that's less time loss in class and on stage. And um, that's what everyone wants, right? Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> just to keep dancing. So um, I don't know, having good communication with the instructors. Um, it's good because I need their input too. Like Absolutely. I see, I see a patient maybe you know thirty minutes a week, maybe sixty minutes a week, and and they're seeing them all the time, right. and they have a lot of input. And so I call and say, you know, what's happening with Susie in class? Like, what do you see? What's the technique technique errors? What are you working on? What are you telling her repetitively? Um, where does she need improvement? And then that gives me a lot of like input as far as like, oh, okay, I know where this is coming from now. Or they say like, well, she's great in class, but she, you know, walks into class and jumps down in the splits without warming up or, right. you know, be- between classes, <laughs> yeah, between classes, she's hunched over her phone for an hour. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, right. These are the things that my patients don't tell me, right. but an instructor tells me. So having that relationship really helps oh, me totally. get better outcomes. Um, I think it's really beneficial because parents love knowing that there's a vested interest in their children's health. Uh, You know, they're paying all of this money for this dance education, Mm -hmm. and they want to know that um, dancers can be healthy and they're not, you know, are not going to be laid up or permanently injured from this. So um, for studios, you know, if they can say we have this established relationship, you know, it really increases satisfaction of the parents. And I think it's a good marketing tool for studios to be able to say, like, we're going to take care of your dancer. Like, we're not just going to push, 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 push. Like, we really care about them and their health, and this is what we're doing about it. Um, And then outside of that, you know, really just educating the studios. There's still a really big gap between what we know in dance science Mm -hmm. and medicine research and what's actually happening in the studios. There's Uh a huge gap. So if if I, you know, you're very familiar with this. Like, if I can... um, you know, help bridge that gap and let them know, like, hey, I'm here to help you. Like, I can be a resource. Then I can get in there and start educating. And sometimes it takes a really long time to change practices. But um, once they know that, you know, my, you know, 
I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help them and help their dancers. And then we can put on workshops and we do, you know, workshops that meet their needs and injury prevention and nutrition and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, dance medicine research has changed a lot in the last 20 years and we know a lot more than we did. So when we know better, we should do better. And I think, um, you know, the, the most progressive and forward thinking studios really realize this and they're popping up. I think these new studios, at least in our year, are popping up where they're like, we're going to do things different. You know, we're, we're not doing it the same old way. We're doing it different because they know now, you know, they've been injured themselves and they know there's a better way. So mm-hmm. anyway, they're, they're getting on board and they they reap the rewards like really in the longevity of their programs and the success of their dancers. So that's, that's good. That's really great. I, um, <laughs> you said I'm familiar with this. I am familiar with this. I feel like, <laughs> um, I, you know, in establishing workshops and, um, and competitive dance studios and, and elsewhere, you know, I feel like I've, um, gotten a lot of pushback in the form of kind of Ugh. radio silence um, and yes. and sometimes people not being receptive or kind of um, uh, asking questions, um, you know, saying, oh, well, I read this on this blog or, you know, this misinformation yeah. here. So I'm just kind of curious, like, I always like part, part of me always felt like what I was touting wasn't sexy enough for them. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of wondering like how you dealt with um, oh, pushback or radio silence or maybe not feeling like it was in line with, you know, what they wanted to bring in, which was like a flashy choreographer or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, it hasn't, it hasn't been easy and I'm not saying that I'm, you know, an expert at it by mm-hmm. any means. I think it's just taken persistence and, um, the sense of really developing genuine relationships with people where, um, you know, I think, I think it's common for instructors to be defensive about their dance practices. You yeah. know, I know what I know and I'm good at it. Of and, course. You know, great. You know, they've been successful in one way or in the other. Um, maybe they're used to physicians saying, you know, telling their dancers to quit dancing or you have to sit out and, you know, that's frustrating. Um, so I think there's a little, there's definitely some pushback or mm-hmm. some defensiveness or protectiveness, you know, what are you trying to sell me? Like, what's it going to cost me? Right, you know, right. like, I'm not, I just want to help you. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I think what you said, like radio silence, like I don't get a lot of like really over like pushback, mm-hmm. but, um, this like, you haven't returned any of my calls. Like, I just want to tell you what I'm doing with your most valued student right. that you adore. Like, I just want to tell you what we're doing and so we can get on the same page and get them better. But, you know, not getting a return phone call, like numerous, numerous times. But I was like, okay, like, you know, there's only so much I can do. But um, so, yeah, it's, it can be a little challenging at first. But I once you build a relationship and I think you know, the route is just to be genuine. And I often will call instructors and I'm not calling to sell them anything or say, can I come to a workshop? I'm just saying, Hey, I have your patient, you know, whoever, and this is what I'm doing. This is what I've recommended. I don't want to take her out of class. We do want to make these modifications. This is when I'm going to get her back. This is how much stronger she's going to be. This is why this happened. And I explain all of that. And then suddenly they're like, oh, okay, right. It sounds like you know what you're doing. Great. Thanks for doing that. And then I follow through. You know, you deliver on that promise. And not even suddenly, slowly, (laughs) that starts to to build into something where, um, you know, they they trust trust what I'm doing. So, um, yeah. I um I feel like I need to say this now in defense of dance teachers. I personally, you know, have the defensive part as well. We all do. So yeah. it's it's yeah, yeah. as you said, it's definitely about the the genuine approach. We all know what we're doing, um, but we just yes. want to work as a team. Oh, I know, right? And and like I said before about working with instructors, you know, I need to know what they're doing. Like I don't pretend 
that I know better about their job. You know, I know how to do my job. And that's why it's important we meet in the middle. Like I can modify what I'm doing. Like, tell me what you want. Like, what are your goals? What do you want this student to be able to do? And I can modify and help. Like if it's really important to you that they're doing this one thing that I think is not a good idea. Okay. Let's meet in the middle someplace. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not out to tell anyone else how to do their job. I just want people to be healthy right and people to be healthy um so we're talking about the next generation of dancers here which is who you typically work with um you mentioned also that you know when you were young this is like your personal injury um fueled you to be where you are what do you love about working with young dancers why do you think it's important talk yeah yeah. Well, I, I love working with dancers because of the obvious. I mean, they're fun. Yes. <laughs> they're so fun and they're energetic and they're willing participants. Um, they don't have a lot of comorbidities, mm-hmm. so they don't have a lot of other like excuses about why they can't get better. They're generally really healthy and they heal well. So inherently that makes them really good patients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but outside of that, you know, my passion is promoting health and yeah. prevention of injury and disease. And, um, you know, that's ultimately why, why I chose chiropractic is because I wanted to look at this big picture of how can we make people healthier? How can we prevent, um, injury? Um, so, so yeah, you know, how that, the saying goes like the preservation of health is easier than the cure of disease. Mm-hmm. And it's, and mm-hmm. it's true. And so I feel like there's this most potential to help people, before they have ailments and um, educating them properly and teaching them about prevention of disease. So it's true, you know, not only in overall health, but then like specific dance injuries and sports injuries too. Like if I can catch an injury during a prodromal stage, you know, before they have any big symptoms Mm -hmm. really appear, um, just when there's maybe some functional changes, but no structural changes or no real like sidelining complaints um or if I can identify very specific risk factors for injury early in a patient you know then I have a huge can have a huge impact on these patients and these dancers and not only potentially save a career but you know protect their long-term function well into adulthood you know with or without dance you know how many um you know, ex-professional dancers do we see that are kind of hobbling around with these injuries mm-hmm. that affects their function well into their adult years right. um, when they wish they could still be dancing. They wish they could be doing this or doing that. And I don't know. Dance is a demanding sport. I'm not saying I can prevent all of that, but, you know, a little bit can go a long way Absolutely. as far as, um, you know, ensuring that there's some health there um, and, and really lower the incidence of injury and and disease. So like, for instance, you know, if we have like, let's go back to the spine, you know, if mm-hmm. we have a patient who comes in who has a really hypermobile spine and they hyperextend through the back and, you know, they have some of these functional issues or weak, their core is weak. Um, they don't have any complaints. And so they don't see anything that's wrong. Like right. I'm great. I'm a great dancer. I'm getting all the awards and, um, it's top of my class and all that. Awesome. But functionally we see something, this, these are all risk factors, right. you know, like you are at risk for a spinal fracture. You're at risk, you know, these really high demands and not a lot of strength and stability. And if we address that, we can save you from so much, you know, Absolutely. stress and injury down the road. And so that's where my passion is. And so that obviously makes sense to work with these young kids. Um, and and I think a little education goes a long way. Like young dancers are really impressionable and they're smart. They're so smart. Yeah. Um, and they want to be healthy. They're really motivated and they just don't always have a solid resource to learn from. So, um, 
you, you see a lot of young dancers really start to develop a passion and a greater mm-hmm. understanding for this big picture of health and wellness. I mean, isn't, that's how a lot of us got to where we are. Right. Like, oh, wow, it's really, I get injured. This is really interesting. I want to do more of this. But, um, you know, the bigger health picture is the earlier we can provide this evidence-based knowledge to our kids. We can inspire them to be healthy. We mm-hmm. can empower them to be responsible for their own health and their own bodies to take care of it. Um, you know, I believe it has these widespread implications, not only on their future in dance, but yeah. then on the future of our country's health. Um, and I, I may only be able to affect a handful of people, but you know, to me that seems important and, um, oh, like good, yeah. good work to do. And so, yeah. maybe they'll tell their kids or their friends yes. and you'll have a little bit of a ripple effect going forward. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I know I've said this before on dance world, but you only have one instrument. <laughs> That's right. And so you really need to you need to give yeah. it all the love you can give because <laughs> you're not going to get so a replacement. Tr- I know it's so true, and uh, you know it, the part where I cringe is sometimes when a patient says like, "Okay, well that's all really good information. Like we're going to kind of take that and go back to what we're doing." But then you know they come back six months, a year later, right. and now it's a much bigger thing. Of like, oh, like we could have prevented this. You know, it's fine. Like we can still treat it. We're going right. to treat it. It's fine. But. Right. Um, would have been awesome to just save you from some of this. So, right. Anyway, oh. <laughs> dance teachers listening, dancers yeah. listening. <laughs> Take note. Take note. Um, well, Dr. Carey, thank you so much for joining us on Dance. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your passion and your knowledge with us today. Of course. It was my pleasure. And thanks for all that you do. I love the Dancewell podcast and it's totally my jam. And um, you've had a lot of great speakers on and some really awesome content. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Um, And I want to make sure that our listeners have an opportunity to be able to find you on the internet. So will you um, let them know where they can find you? Sure. Uh, my website is just drcarriestoney.com, drcarriestoney.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I'm on Instagram, Dr. Carrie Sconey, and Facebook, and Twitter, I think. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where they can find me, all the major platforms. Excellent. And we'll have all the links uh, in the description of this podcast so you guys can find it there too. Fantastic. Yeah. So thanks again. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Marissa. Yep. Bye. Bye. On behalf of Ellie and myself, I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast and subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website at www.dancewellpodcast.com. We wouldn't be where we are without generous contributions from our listeners. Your contributions help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees, upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a contribution to DanceWell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you have questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye.